When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Healthy Versus Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks if there are downsides to empathy. I've also had a number of other related questions like, what is sadistic empathy and what are empathy vampires? So the answer might be a little bit surprising to this question. So when we talk about empathy, usually what we see is, in terms of the research literature, we see a lot of positive attributes associated with it. It gets a lot of attention around being pro-social, like we see the empathy altruism hypothesis that shows that empathy seems to be tied to positive pro-social behavior. And empathy is also looked at as one of the key human factors for making the planet better. So empathy is really put on a pedestal, and there are a lot of reasons for that. Overall, empathy is actually very good. But here I'm going to be looking at some of the downsides or some of the potential downsides we see with empathy. So the first part here would be to define empathy. So what is empathy? Well, empathy is actually a little bit confusing because in the world of mental health counseling, we use empathy, we use that term differently than we would see in the general public, how the term is used by the population. So in terms of how we use it in mental health counseling, empathy is really understanding cognitively how somebody's feeling. So it's a very narrow definition. We could also call it cognitive empathy, and it helps counselors to provide therapy to clients. Empathizing actually can really help people quite a bit. Cognitive empathy. Now, affective empathy, again, in the context of counseling, is when you can feel the same way as somebody else. Another word for that is sympathy. And counselors do use both cognitive and affective empathy, but the emphasis, of course, as I mentioned, is on the cognitive component. Now, if we move kind of to the general population's view of empathy, the popular conception of empathy, we see that it means co-experiencing a situation of another. So it's sharing emotions and feelings. So really, it's a lot like sympathy or affective empathy in terms of counseling. So when I talk about empathy here in the downside, I am really talking more about sympathy or affective empathy and not as much in terms of cognitive empathy, but both are tied in. So there are downsides to both cognitive and affective empathy. So there's one definition of empathy in the popular culture and another for mental health counseling. So we also have to remember here when we talk about empathy that the standard of emotion sharing only applies to certain emotions and feelings. So empathy doesn't really cover all the emotions or feelings that somebody can have. And usually empathy is associated with stronger emotions and feelings like suffering, disgust, or pain. And occasionally we also see other feelings like embarrassment, pride, and guilt. 
But when we move to other complex emotions, like the idea of love or mixed emotions, it's not really clear how empathy fits in. So empathy seems to have limits, and it seems to be more easily activated by certain strong emotions and feelings. So now getting on to the ways that empathy is bad. And just want to reiterate here that empathy is mostly good, but here I'm covering the more negative elements of empathy. I used a few different sources to create this video, including this list here of the downside of empathy, these different items. And I'll put those references in the description for this video. So looking at the first negative here for empathy, we see that empathy can actually be harmful to the empathizer. It can lead to exhaustion or kind of a loss of sense of self. Now we see this in counseling, we call it compassion fatigue or burnout. And it's associated with both cognitive and affective empathy use. So right away, using empathy potentially can be hazardous. So we have to keep that in mind. And there's also a cognitive cost to empathy. There have been some interesting research findings that show that sometimes people won't engage in empathy because of that cognitive cost, because it's simply too difficult. And they would rather stay away from that hard work and just avoid empathy altogether. So the next negative here is what's called the spotlight effect. So empathy is not always really well suited to help people make ethically correct decisions. Now, empathy can be used to focus a lot of attention over a short time period on an individual. And sometimes when this happens, people neglect the larger picture and they ignore long-term solutions and they also ignore the large numbers of people. They focus again just on one person. So empathy really heightens the attention for special cases and again can be a powerful motivator to behave on behalf of those individual cases. But that intense awareness on the individual again comes to the cost of looking at the larger picture. So one example of this would be in terms of empathy and how it can be manipulated would be how people are willing to donate time and money when they see one hungry child on like a commercial, but they won't necessarily be moved to act on behalf of the tens of thousands of people that are suffering because of famine or civil war or other problems. So it was good that somebody could be motivated to help one individual, but a lot of people are still being ignored. So again, that's the spotlight effect of empathy. So with this weakness, really we're saying here that empathy is something that can be exploited. We see this sometimes too with members of juries. Jury members might really empathize with a person who's on trial, and that might make them move away from a morally correct decision. So if the person, like on the stand, if the defendant is really manipulative, if they know how to activate empathy in a jury, that can really be to that person's advantage in terms of being found not guilty. So again, the spotlight effect is a downside of empathy. The next downside to empathy is what we call the polarizing effect. Now, we know that people are really known to make judgments and take sides in situations really quickly and based on emotions and feelings. And when someone's drawn to empathize with people, this can lead them to agree with the opinions, emotions, and viewpoints of those people they empathize with. So in a conflict, like in a war, people may support the side they have empathy for, but at the same time, neglect the other side. So in a sense, empathy can lead to war, can lead to people taking sides in a war, and it can even lead to murder. Now, what happens here with conflicts and when people empathize with one side is they tend to look at the other side, the opposing force, as unfair, undesirable, evil, unlikable, 
and morally wrong, really in a lot of different ways. So it's not just good feelings for the person or the people that they empathize with. It's also bad feelings for the enemy, so to speak, the other side, the side that becomes interpreted as the enemy by the empathizer. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Another effect here is the stronger the support feelings are for one's chosen side, the stronger the empathy, we see the more negative the other side appears. So it's not just the activation of empathy that creates good and bad in somebody's mind. It's how strong they empathize with their side. The next potential downside of empathy is that empathy can actually be selfish. Now, we see that one of the assumptions for empathy in the research literature has been that the target of the empathy benefits from that empathy. But actually, empathy is rewarding for the empathizer as well. There's evidence that the arousal of emotions is generally perceived as being more positive than negative. And positive emotions play a stronger role in life satisfaction than do negative emotions. So there can be, again, this selfish component to empathy that motivates people to empathize. So this idea kind of connects to the idea of empathy vampires or empathy vampirism. So what's happening here is the empathizer feels and experiences the world vicariously through others and in a sense participates in their fate without having their best interest in mind. So somebody can think that they're doing good for somebody else through empathy, but they're really not. So the implicit interest of the empathizer really, again, is in their own experiencing, in an experiencing that's pleasurable for them. So this is the vampire component. This isn't healthy. This is a downside of empathy. So examples of empathy vampirism would be stalkers, stage parents, and helicopter parents. So kind of an interesting take on empathy and how it can really have, again, another kind of negative feature to it. 
Now, the last downside to empathy I'll talk about is empathy sadism or sadistic empathy. And this one actually has a lot of different facets to it. It's fairly interesting. This is where somebody enjoys the pain or suffering of another because the negative feelings of another are somehow interpreted by the empathizer as being positive. So something's kind of amiss, right? Something's not aligned when we see sadistic empathy because there's this conversion of somebody else's negative feelings into positive feelings for the empathizer. So it makes sense that empathic sadism would be associated with negative outcomes. Now we see that empathic sadism really in a broad sense appears in a variety of forms, right? We see enjoyment in sad movies and movies that are tragic. We see enjoyment in sadistic acts. Of course, that lines up fairly well with empathic sadism. We see this idea of schadenfreude. I've talked about this in videos before, taking joy in the suffering of another. We also see bullying, shaming, and teasing are all examples of empathic sadism. Now, it's important to note that empathic sadism or sadistic empathy doesn't explain all these occurrences. Really, it's a bit of a mystery how empathy and sadism work together. But we know it exists, and we know it can contribute to all those different occurrences. So what happens with sadistic empathy some of the time is that it leads to the manipulation of others. So this kind of wraps in with the construct of manipulative empathy, which is really a type of sadistic empathy. So manipulative empathy is when somebody brings about a situation, they try to cause a situation with this particular goal in mind. And the goal is to elicit an emotional response in another person so that it's observable, so that they can start empathizing with that other person. So using a person A, person B scenario, if person A is using manipulative empathy, they're looking to elicit an emotional response in person B so that person A can use that. They can empathize with that. So this is kind of how manipulative empathy gets started. And it tends to focus on negative emotions, but it can also focus on positive emotions, like gift giving can be a form of manipulative empathy, and by extension, empathic sadism. So when I talk about manipulative empathy, one of the questions that I see comes up a lot is, what about narcissism and psychopathy, right? Because empathic sadism and manipulative empathy seem to have a real close connection to the different characteristics we see associated with narcissism and psychopathy. And what we see in the research literature is, for a long time, there was this idea that psychopaths, and to some extent narcissists, didn't really have the ability to experience emotional depth or empathy. But now the research literature seems to be pointing in a different direction. It appears that with psychopaths and narcissists, it might not be as much about not being able to experience empathy, but not choosing to focus on areas of empathy. Now, there could be some reduced empathic functioning as well mixed in there, but we know that most people who are psychopathic and narcissistic still have a capacity for empathy. Now, a lot of times with psychopathy and narcissism, we do think that cognitive empathy is really pretty much fully intact and that affective empathy may be compromised a little. But again, there's a capacity, of course, for both types of empathy. So those are some of the downsides of empathy. So with this idea, of course, that empathy is mostly good, and then we hear about the downside, we hear about these potential pitfalls. What do we do? What do we do with this new information about empathy and how empathy can really have marked shortcomings? Well, I think that the bottom line of all this is 
Empathy is mostly good, but logic is good too. And we don't want the emotional response component of empathy to get out of control. We don't want to make quick decisions. We still want to look to logic and reason and kind of slow things down and carefully analyze our decisions and our motivation. Empathy can be a good way to get started, to get interested in a topic, to get interested in a cause, but we still have to make rational decisions. We see in the research literature, there's this call to this idea of rational compassion instead of emotional empathy, because emotions can, of course, lead us astray, and empathy can lead us astray as well. Now, that's an interesting idea, rational compassion, but realistically, people are wired for empathy. So I think the real solution here would be, again, to appreciate the role of empathy and to slow things down, be aware of the shortcomings of empathy, and kind of go into these different situations with our eyes wide open. So in consideration of kind of all the facts for and against empathy, I'm still a fan of empathy. Obviously, it's an important component of the counseling profession and the other psychotherapeutic professions, but it's also an important construct for people in general. Empathy usually brings about good. We just have to be a little bit careful about some of the negatives. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.